Hi, this is Claire from Come Back Brighter. You're listening to my podcast about healing after narcissistic abuse. Welcome. Hi, this is Claire from Come Back Brighter. Today, I'm going to talk to you about the time when I broke no contact. So this was obviously before I went no contact permanently and what effectively happened was I just reached the end of my tether with my father. I realized that after 15 years as an adult of trying with him, it was never going to work. He was never going to change. He was never going to make any effort with the relationship. It was all going to be blamed on me. Every single conversation just went round and round and round and round. And every issue was never resolved. So after 15 years of this, I decided that enough was enough. And this was when my son was born. And when I was pregnant and had my son, things got worse. He got worse. It was undeniable. Previous to that, he would go for, you know, maybe there was something bad happened every year or so. Just long enough for me to forget about it. Uh, and he never apologized or changed. It was all just swept under the carpet, all just put to one side and ignored. And um, and really every time I hoped it would never happen again. But when my son, when I was pregnant and my son was born, it was it was every time I saw him, he was unpleasant about something. The uh he was just testing me. So I decided I'd had enough. And I decided that I was gonna go no contact with my father. And I didn't at this time realize what the consequences would mean with my relationship with my mother. So they're still married. Well, they were still married. I don't know if they still are. So I decided to go no contact with my father. And that was it. Pfft, finished. And the contact that I had with my mother was just a text message occasionally, probably once a week. Uh, she would ask how we're doing or ask a specific question. I would respond with an answer and then ask her how she was or ask her a question and she wouldn't respond. So that was it. It was just one text message from her and one response from me. No matter how much I tried to engage her in a, like a text conversation. And there were no phone calls for this entire time. So, and this went on for four months, okay? So effectively, I was really, really low contact uh, with my mother and, and probably still a little kind of, I suppose you still cause it call, cause it, call it contact because it was through my mother. And I knew that my mother didn't do anything without my father's approval. So these text messages would have been approved by him. Um, and if he said no, then she wouldn't have bothered at all. And that's not just for me, that's for her grandson too. Anyway, so four months, after four months, I got a phone call and it was from my mother. And the first thing she said was, I don't want this to change anything. But I've, I've found a lump and I'm going to have a biopsy for breast cancer. And, and I don't expect this to change anything. And this came out of nowhere. This came out of nowhere. So I hung up the phone and I remember having a very long conversation with my husband 
And the conclusion of that conversation was that I would go back to the UK to help my mum as she went through the testing process. And then uh, if she was to find out whether it was cancer or not and support her during that time. <clears throat> and, and I decided then at that time that I couldn't live with myself if I hadn't gone back. When I was looking at the bigger picture of something happened to her, I couldn't live with myself. So I literally packed myself and my son up. He must have been, I don't know, two years old, something like that. Not very fun to travel with a two-year-old. I packed myself up. I packed everything up for him and we went back to the UK. And I supported my mum through her biopsy. And then I was with her when she got the results or after she got the results, after she was in the meeting. I was there in the hospital when she came out from the room and said that she had breast cancer. And, and it was awful. It was awful. And it was made worse by my father. I remember being stood in a supermarket after my mum had been diagnosed. And we both had to work out what we had to eat that evening. And we stood there and we were surrounded by an entire supermarket of food. And neither of us could get our heads into the right place to think about what to eat. I suppose, I suppose we were both in shock. Uh, we did eventually find something to eat, but obviously. Um, now my father, that evening, the same evening that she was diagnosed with breast cancer, was nagging her, that's the only word I can use to describe it, about how she was gonna tell my brother and how she was gonna tell my half siblings. He went on and on about it. And what he was really doing was he was adding to her stress level. He wanted her to break. He wanted her to either break down in tears or he wanted her to shout at him. And then he could be her victim that he was so stressed out by her diagnosis, diagnosis and she'd had the bare cheek to either cry at him or shout at him. I don't know how she didn't do either. All I can say is she'd had decades of dealing with him. So she'd worked it out, fine-tuned it. So, so that, and, and his whole thing then, his whole thing then was just to show what a vile human being he is. He would talk to the neighbours, he'd tell them my mum's, about my mum's diagnosis. And the next thing that he would say is he couldn't go on his holiday. He couldn't go on his winter holiday because my mum had cancer. And that was all he cared about. 
all he cared about. So I went over to support my mum because I knew that she would get no support from my father. In fact, not would she not would she not get any support from him. He would do everything he could to stress her out to the maximum. He would do everything he could to make her life even more stressful and awful than it already was after that diagnosis. So we, uh, what happened then? So she had a diagnosis and then, and then that was the perfect time. Right, I was staying with them, okay, during this time. I had nowhere else to stay, no other family, no friends nearby because they'd moved to a new town. And I didn't have a car. So I was reliant on them for me ferrying to and fro as well. And this was the perfect time for my father <clears throat> to launch his attack for my silence of four months. He had me, I was trapped. And so one evening he decided after my mum's diagnosis that this was the perfect opportunity to address the issue. By which I mean, he made it sound like he wanted to sort out the problem, but what he really wanted to do was he wanted to let me know how angry he was, how it was all about him, how he didn't care about me at all. And I remember the conversation went on and on, and it was like a laundry list. What actually happened was it was to be talked about why I'd gone no contact with him. But actually what happened was none of it was about me. And all of it was this laundry list of grudges that he had against me. And, and recently the grudges that he had against me had been the times when he'd been abusing me and I'd left. I hadn't taken it. So the time when we went to Spain and I called my husband and my husband came to get me instead of enduring his abuse, that was on the list. He was most disgruntled about that. That was not the way it was supposed to be. So out came the laundry list of grudges. And when he said about Spain, he said, why did I leave? <laughs> and I said, because you were an asshole. <laughs> one to me and I'm so proud of myself for saying that there was no other way to say it he pushed me into a corner to see if I was gonna say it and I said it and then he spent half an hour telling me how upset and hurt he was that I thought he was an asshole <laughs> he didn't ask me about what it was his behaviors that made me think like that and how he could change and how sad he was that I thought that and all these things it was just how sad and upset he was and how disrespectful it was of me to say that about him so and I really felt like I, you know I felt like a like a butterfly pinned in one of those little display cases I had nowhere to go I was trapped there my son was asleep I was trapped there and he exploited that so he exploited my mum's cancer diagnosis maximum stress time for me maximum stress time for my mum to have this conversation 
And I say conversation because it wasn't. It was him talking at me. It was him talking gibberish. It was him bringing out this list of long list of grudges that he had against me. None of it was to rectify the problem. And I remember at the end of it, I just wanted to shut him up. So I said to him, I don't feel like you love me. So he said, Claire, I love you. And it meant nothing. I remember going to bed and being actually quite depressed because his actions were so to the contrary, but words were easy. And I knew at that point that he didn't love me because his <clears throat> actions had been so different from that for the entirety of my life. So what happened then? I had to leave my mum before she, I, I, before she had her operation, before she started radiotherapy. Uh, I felt awful about leaving. I spent hours when I got back researching the things that would help her after the surgery and after the radiotherapy. I sent her a little pack with all the little things that have been suggested that would help. And, and I remember the day after she had her operation, my father insisted on going to going for lunch, getting in the car and driving half an hour down the road for lunch. And I think that just, if nothing else, that typifies exactly the kind of guy that he was. He wanted to go for lunch, so they went for lunch. He didn't care about how my mum felt. He wanted to go. And it's also a test because it's not only just about what he wanted, but he wanted to cause a maximum discomfort for her. So what do I realise now about this whole thing? Now I am no contact with both of them because I realise they come as a toxic pair and that those text messages that my mum sent me for my weekly report were reported to my father, who would then use them to report to my siblings to act as if he was still in regular contact with me. Because when I told my brother that I hadn't spoken to my father for four months, he was shocked. So my father had instructed my mother to contact me so that he could maintain the appearance that I was still in contact with him. And that whole incident served to show me that really, I loved my mum, I cared about my mum, and I wanted to support my mum. And how much my father exploited that as what he thought was the optimum opportunity when I'm under the maximum amount of stress. I've got a two-year-old with me, my mum's just been diagnosed with breast cancer, and this is the perfect time to address the issues that we have in our relationship. Is what he said. But really, it was the perfect time for him to launch the attack. And that is what it was. It was an attack. And he knew that I had nowhere to go and that I still wanted to be there for my mum. So I was still trapped there and I still had to live with him for weeks afterwards whilst I supported my mum. So that was what, how I broke my no contact. And then after that, we just carried on as normal. We carried on as normal. 
My mum fortunately recovered from her breast cancer. And, um, and then a few months after that, maybe a bit longer, I made the realization about narcissistic personality disorder when they were actually staying nearby, when they were visiting us. They live in the UK and I live in France. And that was when everything changed. So, so many times I see people wondering about what they would do if they were in the same circumstances, what they would do if their narcissistic parent was diagnosed with a serious illness, or what they would do if their narcissistic parent's partner or their other parent was diagnosed. And I will tell you, you will do what you think is right. You will do what you think is right. Now, I have no doubt that if I consulted with anybody else who knew about narcissistic personality disorder, they would have said, do not go back to the UK. But I did what I thought was right. And I will tell you now, after six years of no contact, I wouldn't do it again. I wouldn't do it again. And the reason why I wouldn't do it now is because I realize the true toxicity of both my parents. I realize how poisonous they are for me. And I realized that my caring was used against me. My caring about my mother was used against me to make me the perfect target for my father's abuse. And I wouldn't ever put myself in that position ever again. Now I understand the dynamic. Now I understand how toxic it was. I can't put myself in that position again. And I won't put myself in that position again. And I certainly will never put my son in that position ever again. No way. So that's I, I, the thing is, if, you, if this is something that's bothering you, if you are wondering what you would do if there was somebody in your family who was seriously ill, then think about what you would do. Have a kind of plan in place, okay? Because if you're prepared, then that helps you so much. I wasn't prepared for this. This came out of nowhere. As sometimes these things do. And no matter if you're in contact, low contact, no contact, what would you do if... And then you've got that to fall back on. Now you're then making the, 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 like a plan, which it could be subject to change. You're, you're making a plan whilst your head is in the right place, whilst your head is in a good place. So you won't necessarily be so likely to be sucked into the emotion of it all. Because the narcissist and their entourage, whoever it concerns, 
will absolutely milk this drama to the maximum. And they will want to put the pressure on you. They will want you to feel that emotional connection and they'll want you to feel the pressure because if you're feeling those two things, you are much more likely to do what, you, what they want you to do rather than the best thing for you. So give it some thought. Give it some thought about all the people that you care about who are connected with, the, with a narcissist. So you can be prepared. And also, whatever you do, whatever you do, will be the right thing for you. When my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer, I did what I thought was the right thing for me at that time. And now I know, now I have a greater understanding. I understand that that would not be the right thing for me. But that's not to say that that's the right thing for you. You've got to, you've got to follow your heart on this and do what you think is right. And if you need any help, if you're going through this, if you have a loved one who's ill and you need support, if the family are rallying around and you're feeling the pressure, then book a power hour session with me and we'll work through it together. If you've got any comments, put them below. If you want to email me, it's Claire, C-L-A-R-E, comebackbrighter at gmail.com. Take care. Bye. Thank you.